The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky connections and kinky education. We're kinky done differently. What women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self, with questions asked by a guy. And now, here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, Hi there, Catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. It's a show about how people connect with each other and to their own genuine selves. And as we head to the summer months, many people start to think seriously about fitness. And today on the show, we take a look at a woman who has taken that to a whole new level. Shannon Seeley is a nationally ranked women's physique competitor and a fitness model. She loves showing the femininity that muscle can have. She's a sponsored athlete for Titan Nutrition as well as Transcend HRT. She's also a mother to a little diva of a 22-month-old and wife to her husband who is a disabled Army veteran. Ladies and gentlemen, the amazing, the powerful, Shannon Seeley. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. First time you ever picked up a weight and your reaction to it. Mm, first time I picked up a weight, I was probably 12 and mm. I, I didn't enjoy it. It was not fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> first time you ever had someone look at you and go wow uh let's just say that was probably when i was i was a cute baby so we'll just say well, <laughs> when i was a baby that's we'll say that <laughs> i love that <laughs> First time you realize you had depression and what may have caused it? Um, I was nine years old when I realized I had depression. Um, and that stemmed from me being unhappy with my overall physique um, because I had very I had parents who were perfectionists. Mm -hmm. So I was pressured a lot into looking a certain way. I'll follow it up with this then. First time you ever looked in the mirror and go, perfect. Never. Expand on that a little bit, because is it always trying to find perfection? Or as I said in my thoughts, <laughs> thought of the day this week, the one thing that you can always be perfect in is the fact that you will never achieve perfection. Right. Exactly. So I, I always strive to be better and I love myself more each day and like what I look like more each day. 
but I would never, I would never desire to be perfect. And I don't desire to be, to have total perfection. It's a question we ask of all our guests. First time you ever received an unsolicited dick pic and your reaction to it. I believe I was 14 and it was, I said, ew, I literally said, ew, and dropped my phone. It was gross. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and review. We really appreciate your feedback. Hello, I'm Jesse Sage from Peep Show Media. Peep Show Media is a multimedia magazine bringing news and stories from the sex industry. Be sure to check out our website at peepshowmedia.com for essays, porn reviews, events, interviews, news stories, and more. Also, make sure to listen to our podcast, The Peep Show Podcast, anywhere you get podcasts. And for a bit more of a personal glance into my life, make sure to check out my January 15th interview on what women and other wonderful humans want. It is simply the most powerful episode we've ever done. When when I had the death of the ego and I really, well, I walked away from what a, being a kink educator or a dominatrix means to my ego or what being a singer um, or someone who booked educators or cover bands for so many years, what does that say about me? That's just things I've done. It's not who I am. You know, and the important thing is that we help others and that we be of service. So if someone's listening to this show and they're feeling maybe badly about a job they have or a direction they've taken, there's no mistakes. The artist formerly known as Hutsey Hahn, Hutsey Brook, June 8th, on what women and other wonderful humans want. Welcome back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. Here again is our host, John, or as we know him, hi there, catsuit. Shannon says she's been in the fitness industry for as long as she can remember being an all-state distance runner. When did you just get the feel that you wanted to be an athlete? I have always been competitive. My parents are competitive, and so I was raised that winning is quite an accomplishment. Um, So uh, I started... um, athletics at a a young age. I jumped right in. I did basketball. I did running. I was in soccer, um, fell in love with running and always just, um, have done something to just better my body. So very young age, I started becoming an athlete and then it just progressed from there. As a distance runner, it's one of those disciplines that you're constantly thinking as the competition goes on. And sometimes you can lose yourself in that thinking as you're running. Did you ever find yourself caught in a dream as you were running where you kind of visualized what you wanted to be? Ooh, that's an interesting question. Um, I would say I would definitely uh, go into a different mindset and different dream while I was running. But typically it was visualizing uh, the overall of what, what I wanted to accomplish for that race. So I would just visualize myself being successful and placing uh, the highest I possibly could. Has it always been winning and there is no second? Or have you found that 
the joy and the journey of competition is enough to keep you going. As I've gotten older and transferred into different sports, um, I have learned that winning is not always everything, but more or less the journey, especially now being a bodybuilder, it's more about the journey than winning. And it's amazing that you are the bodybuilder that you are, considering that you not only went through depression, but you went through bulimia. Mm -hmm. And I have always been fascinated because uh, although my daughter hasn't gone through bulimia, she's had mental health issues. And I, in one of her hospital stays, was around some people who were bulimic. Mm -hmm. And to understand that those people look at themselves and think no matter how they look, it's never good enough. Tell me a little bit about your journey and how you fell into it and were able to overcome it. So um, we talked briefly, quickly about uh, nine years old is when I kind of discovered I was unhappy and I was, I was pushed into this perfection lifestyle with my parents. And um, one reason, you know, as I, as I, I hit puberty at about nine. So when I was nine years old, you know, with us women, we get a little bit chunkier. We're trying to figure everything out. And I, I put on some weight um, and I was a little bit shorter. So I was, I was a larger girl for my, for my age. I was very uncomfortable with it. And my parents actually made some comments saying, Hey, we need to get you in some, um, some more sports or something. You're, you're getting a little thick here. And um, that kind of started to trigger me into, okay, I need to lose weight. Um, so started actively, um, I joined the cross country team at the age of nine. Um, and I believe I was in middle school or elementary school. I don't remember the age thing, um, to start to start losing weight. Well, the weight wasn't fast enough and my parents were still pretty critical of my look. And so lo and behold, discovered, uh, Googled internet search, what was the quickest way to lose weight and fell onto a pro and a website. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with ProAnna websites, they're websites that kind of encourage eating disorder behavior. Um, they'll show you trigger pictures and stuff to make you want to be thinner. Mm -hmm. um, and from there, learned about bulimia and learned the easiest way to lose weight was just to make myself throw up. And then I would just, all the extra calories I couldn't get out would just be from running. So that was literally my control and my addiction throughout the age of nine, all the way up until um, I've been in recovery now. For I would say I have not binged and purged in about nine months, but I do still have relapses. But um, I would say that I'm in recovery and I've been in recovery for about five years now. So it's just taken a toll, but it's more about that control or everything. It's, it's very euphoric when you get to expel all of the, you, you binge and purge and you're eating all these wonderful foods and then you just can control it and just get rid of it all and run it off it's there you get this high and this wonderful sensation and your serotonin levels just increases so it's, it's hard to explain if you're not if you don't have an eating disorder but it's like an it's a drug addiction basically but you want that serotonin high i am just in awe because i can't imagine that um i wasn't much of an athlete growing up i was the kid that my dad would always poke me in the belly and go Got to get rid of that gut. Got to get rid of that gut. Was that damaging to you to have parents that were so much in a pursuit of perfection? And I'm not trying to say anything bad about your parents, <laughs> but was it difficult 
never being able to live up to what they wanted? Um, it was, it was very difficult. Even now as an adult um, and my life choices, it's still, I still have that mentality like, okay, is my dad, what is my dad going to think about this? And, you know, my husband's helped me kind of overcome that, but it was really hard growing up and having this perfection and idolized lifestyle that my parents wanted me to live by. But as I grew up and met different people and were in different communities and then transitioning into a bodybuilding, which was not a part of my parents' norm at all, that kind of just strayed away from the perfection that they desired because I just, I just kind of went with bodybuilding and they were very against it uh, at the start. Um, and that kind of just allowed me to just kind of express myself more and realize, hey, you don't have to fit your parents' perfection. You just have to fit what you are going to be happy with. And so that's kind of straight away. And now being a parent myself, um, I just, I would not, I'm just a very laid back parent compared to my parents. <laughs> Did you have a turning point where you said, I am enough? Um, I will say when I started bodybuilding and I saw how I could make my body change by actually eating food and working out in a healthier way um, and actually liking the way that my body was, was responding and feeling healthier. That was, and I think that that started when I was about 19 years old and I realized, oh my gosh, I can be healthy. I can feel good about myself and I am enough. And I, I do remember those moments. I remember looking in the mirror and having, having a belly full of food and actually liking what I saw in the mirror. When we started this podcast, it was all about the way people connect with each other. As a bodybuilder, I'm sure that many people look, ogle, stare, any sort of plethora of vocabulary you can use about a woman who has built themselves into an amazing body. Do you get used to that or does it still bother you? Uh, it's the stigma of being a female bodybuilder is it's one of those that when you first start in the industry and you're a female with muscle, it's very, uh, there's a lot of hate. I will say as much as people are impressed with the female physique, there's a lot more people that don't agree with the normal females with muscles. Um, and I think the hardest thing is uh, when you, when you learn that that is part of the industry, you have to have very thick skin very quickly on in the game and not give a shit about other people's opinions of you. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, it's going to completely destroy you. So I think the number one takeaway of being the physique that I have right now is you just have to have thick skin. And I'm not going to lie. I still get emotional when I have a really bad day where I'm getting thousands. I mean, I get hate mail every day from somebody. Mm. Um, and it's just one of those things where you just have to take it with a grain of salt and just brush it off because if you just fixate on it, it just can mentally drain you. And for someone with me who already has body dysmorphia and already has these mental issues uh, with depression, it's just, uh, you have to learn to turn it off and just move on with your life. And that's, that's the biggest thing with it. It's, it's nice to get the attention from people who appreciate it, but there's a lot of people who are not used to seeing a female my size walk around. And um, that's, when it's, that's when it gets hard. As a female, is it difficult when men look at you in a different way? No, it really doesn't bother me. It's quite empowering to know that most men 
most money they're going to find me disgusting or completely attractive. There's really not a happy medium. You're either like me or you, you think I'm gross. And it, in the end of the day, it doesn't really bother me. But I've been married now for six years. It's, it is what it is. And I don't, it's, I do it for me. I fall into the category that any woman who spends time and has a passion to make themselves better, whether they have muscles like yours or whether they have tremendous ability uh, to, to stretch and, and become different things or anybody who just is pleased with what they are. That is, to me, what is most enticing about a person is a person that just genuinely is their genuine selves. When you step into a gym, what is the kind of high that you get knowing that you're doing that for yourself? The high that I get in a gym is almost like, it's so fulfilling because it's my that's my de-stress and, and compression time from my day. So for me, it's my therapy. I don't look at it and be like, oh, I have to go to the gym again. I dread it. It for me, it's like, okay, it's my meditation time. It's my time that I'm taking for myself to better myself. Um, and and it's just it's always just an enjoyment for me. I I get to the gym, I, I don't even really pay attention to who's there. It's just me, put my music on and just I have my my workout in. I just go with it. And I need that at least, you know, five to six times a week to just help mental clarity and just better myself. So for me, it's just my therapy session. I'm going to get a little meta here and I totally realize I'm doing that. <laughs> Is working out and doing what you do for you the greatest source of self-love one can give someone? I, I believe that bettering your, me, myself, bettering my mental health and my physical health for myself is going to make me a better person physically and mentally. So I can give my best, best self to everyone else. If I don't work on myself first, then you aren't going to get the best version of me. And I can only imagine that the journey of your mental health from depression to where you are now, and those of us who have mental health issues will always say that we're never where we want to be. There's always a little bit better that we can be, but I can only imagine that your ability to control that on your own through what you do has been tremendously empowering to what you do now. Absolutely. It really has, and I think one thing that I know for myself and it works for me is I have to have a consistent routine. I know that if I don't, if I take off from the gym for three or four days, my depression and my bulimia are easily triggered to come back. So that is one reason why I stay so focused in the gym is not only for my physical health, but my mental health really relies on it. Um, you know, when we had the shutdown, I'm still in Michigan, so we're still pretty shut down over here. Mm -hmm. But um, last year, the gyms were shut down for a good uh, nine months, I believe. And not having that, that outlet was mentally, I mean, we had to call the cops uh, quite a few times because I just was very, very suicidal. Mm -hmm. um, just a couple of times was just that mental depression. And, and I, I'm, I don't, I don't like medication for my mental health. So I really try to stay away from it just because I have an addictive personality and I don't want to get addicted to pills. Um, 
but I will say that that gym, that outlet for me is super essential to just be a, a better person. How did life change when you became a mom, especially a mom, and I'm not being crass by saying this, a mom that looks like you, because I'm sure people went, how does this work? <laughs> that was the questions that I always get is, how did you get pregnant and how do you have a baby? Um, I will say I am a female bodybuilder, all right? And I do use performance enhancing drugs to get to the shape that I am, but it's how you smartly use them. There are, there are drugs like testosterone um, and stuff that's really heavy uh, test drive that I will stay away from knowing because if I interact with those compounds, they're going to make me infertile. And I knew that was my one thing when I did start bodybuilding and I did have to make that, um, that acknowledgement that I was gonna have to take stuff. I told my coach, I wanna be able to have babies. So I will do this sport, but make sure that I'm still able to be healthy enough to get pregnant. And, and it worked out fine. I, I had muscles. The only issue I will say I had during my pregnancy was my abdominals were so thick that my daughter stopped, could not grow anymore at 36 mm. weeks. So she was a little bit early, but that was the only issue that I had during my pregnancy. Other than that, I was able to work out. I had a really nice diet for my my daughter is very healthy and, you know, she's 22 months old now. So it's been, it's been an amazing journey being a mom at my size. And she, she grew up in the gym environment now. So she loves the gym. Um, and she sees her dad and I work out all the time. And it's just something that she, she's been in that industry since she was born. So, um, it's just one of those that just is part of the family. Holding your baby. Does it bring about a difference in your personality? I, because I, I, I see this strong woman, but I can only imagine this gentle person that's totally melting. She, she does. She does have me wrapped around her finger. And I will say when I genuinely do care about someone so much and have so much love for someone, it's very hard to say no to her. So I do give in to her a lot. I, I, I'm one of those where I, I am a very laid back parent, but I, I spoil the shit out of her right now. And she's <laughs> at that age where she doesn't need expensive things. So it's like, if she wants a stuffed animal or we're at a store, the store and she wants a toy, mm -hmm. I'm just going to get it for her because she's not asking for an iPad or a cell phone. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, your family story is so intriguing because you married a very special person. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about him, if you care to, because I don't want to pry too much in your private life, but I think the story is inspirational. Well, it's funny because a lot of people don't, most people, some people know I'm a mom, some people don't, and most people don't know I'm married because I do keep my, my personal life pretty private from social media just because of the amount of uh, followers that I have. But my husband and I actually met on Instagram. Um, mm -hmm. And I always have a large heart for veterans. So if a veteran or someone in the military uh, messages me and they want an autograph or they want to talk or they're not feeling great, I'm always, I'm always willing to lend a hand. I have a special, you know, I, I love our veterans and I love people who have sacrificed what they have for their country. So I always just want to give back a little bit. And my husband actually messaged me on Instagram and asked me for a picture. And I was like, sure, no problem. And he was stationed in Kuwait. And he, he added a little comment. He's like, if you're ever single, I would love to take you out. And I, at the time I was in a relationship. So I was just like, oh, that's sweet. I was like, you know, I'll send you a picture. Never thought anything of it. 
well, this boy must have been creeping on me hard on my Instagram because the, the day that I got single and I took that off my biography that I was not with anybody, <laughs> I get a message like, hey, can I take you on a date? I'm like, whoa, man, <laughs> you're really, you're really moving fast here. So uh, I was like, all right, can you give me like a, a couple dates here? Let me, let me decompress from my past relationship here. Let's, uh, so we ended up a couple weeks later, we ended up both driving seven and a half hours. He was stationed. He had come back. He was stationed in Fort Riley, Kansas. And I was here in Michigan and, uh, we both drove seven and a half hours to Lincoln, Illinois and had a dinner date at, in, at a Mexican restaurant, a tacos. That was our date. We, we hit it off really well. And we both drove home that night and, uh, he texted me. He's like, I want, I want to take you out again. Let's go to Colorado next. So three weeks later, he flew me out to Colorado. We spent a week there together. Uh, totally fell in love with him and he flew me home and then he he's from California originally he went and saw his mom really fast in California and then he drove 33 and a half hours straight from California to Michigan to meet my parents and that was it I moved in with him probably three weeks later and moved down to Fort Riley and that was it that's so beautiful <laughs> so it it strikes me as interesting as the way you described it is he creeped on you a bit. <laughs> and uh, the thing that I, I see about that is that you were okay with that because something special sparked inside you. Mm -hmm. However, there are people who probably creep on you a little bit that it doesn't create that spark inside you. Right. How, how have you developed your boundaries and your toughness to be able to deal with that so typically um honestly i will say with social media uh, i'll tell you like this as much as social media is such a huge networking tool now and uh, such an awesome way for you know people to meet like you know that's how we met it's it's still a huge i i hate it but i love it because it's one of those things that you need to live with nowadays to communicate um but it's one of those that people really don't have boundaries. So the messages, the pictures, everything that I get, I mean, I get everything from way overwhelming love mail to way overwhelming hate mail all in one day. So the emotional toll it takes. So um, honestly, if I just, I usually just block people if I, if they make me feel uncomfortable now, if people, even if it's overwhelming love, if it's just too much for me, I'm like, eh, I'm just, I got that mom vibe too. I'm like, Hey, they're going to find out where I live and they're just going to send me weird stuff. Like I, I just think the worst now that's, I think that's the only downfall of being a mom now. I think the worst in every situation. So I'm like, eh, that's kind of weird. Block, 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 block. I mean, I probably have 5,000 people blocked on my social media, but it's, it's just how I take precautions now. I'm just, I will say I'm not as um, open in my social media as I was six years ago with my husband. But at the same time, you and I both know social media has very, has changed dramatically um, over that time frame. I mean, people literally do not have any boundaries now on social media and there's no repercussions for it. Um, so as much as some people will hear this story and be like, wow, that was kind of bold. We're talking about Instagram six years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, that by that time, it was not as developed as it was now. So there was a lot more, there was a lot easier ways to know people were safe. I mean, when I met my husband, I made him video call me within like the first week of talking to him to make sure it was him who I was talking to before I started, you know, expelling all my, my personal information to him. So um, there were some precautions, but nowadays it's just, uh, I, I just don't even deal with it anymore. Um, I just get that mom vibe and I'm like, eh, 
if someone's nice and sweet and I get an okay vibe, I'm like, all right, thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, I, I and I don't want people to think I come off as a bitch. I'm, I am very friendly with my fans and my followers, but it's when you get that overwhelming hate or overwhelming love, that's just a little bit too creepy that you wouldn't tell somebody in person. It's just, uh, it goes on my mom radar. How difficult is it to deal with people in person? Because you are someone that people definitely look at, mm -hmm. but sometimes people who are interesting or attractive to look at have a hard time dealing with people because you never know what they mm -hmm. want from you. Um, in all honesty, uh, I'm, I live in a very small town um, and I, I, I'm quite personal, but outside of my like my work life, I'm actually quite introverted where I just don't like to communicate with people quite well. And believe it or not, a lot of people don't approach me in real life. In real life, people will look and they'll, they'll be in awe or they may maybe stare or make comments. But I mean, if you see a woman like me, most people aren't going to come up and try to have a conversation. And I think I have naturally have a resting bitch face and I really try not to, I really like to try to look approachable. Like, I mean, there's sometimes at the gym where I just like, I'm like, like smiling all like that the whole time, just to try to make people more comfortable. Um, but I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm 180 pound female at five, five, I'm a big girl. So it's not always, I don't always look that approachable. Um, and so that's kind of my downfall is just, I don't have a, I have a hard time making friends and talking to people because most people find me intimidating or just think I'm just naturally mean because of my, my resting bitch face. <laughs> April Hunter, who is a professional wrestler who has done physique competitions as well, has had so many different styles of body type. We talked a little bit about body positivity when she mm -hmm. was on. And she said that she felt at times cheated because she just wanted to be loved, but people were scared of her. Mm -hmm. Do you ever get that feeling? Oh, absolutely. And I think with us, like females of muscle, females are, we're naturally a little bit more emotional than men. Okay. So we're more sensitive. We typically are. I'm still emotional human. If someone says they hate me, I literally, I, I mean, I cry probably three times a week just because of the mail that I get. So we're naturally sensitive people. Um, and I, I don't, I don't want to say that there's certain, there's certain type there's certain types of, of my certain body that I love more than others because the whole thing is a journey. But I will say when I'm when I'm in my peak off season, when I'm at 180, 190 max, um, I feel like people, I'm way less approachable. But then when I'm in my cutting phase, run down to 130 pounds and look, you know, like I've been eating disorder, people will approach me. But it's like, hey, are you sick? Do you feel okay? It's mm -hmm. never like, hey, how are you? So, I, and that's I think the hard thing of being a female competitor is people either don't want to talk to you because you're too big or then they, when they talk to you, it's just because you look sickly and there's not that happy medium. And, and I think that's a hard thing to, to say, to, you know, admit is because people just, it's hard because people, we, we're normal people. We're normal humans. We just, we're out of the social norm. Okay. People just don't see women with muscle at time. And it's hard because you have to learn that you're never going to be accepted fully by society because you're just not in their in what their acceptance is and i think that is one of those things is the longing to just be accepted and to just people be like hey she's rocking her own thing cool she's probably mm -hmm. a nice person let's go talk to her but it doesn't happen like that people just don't come and be like hey you seem cool let's talk 
it's usually always about my appearance first. And I think that's the most disheartening thing is um, we talk about, we, you know, I, I don't like to be judging on people's looks, but it's one of those things that people always judge me on their looks before they get to know me. Realizing that you're polyamorous can be a wonderful insight. The Polyamory Dating Guide is a book about finding other people who share your view of polyamory and want to share it with you. This book includes a variety of sections on poly-specific dating, such as navigating online dating with a review of poly-specific dating sites and how to make a profile that works, real-time dating tips that will tell you where to find polyam people and how to make a positive impression, how to date as an existing couple, and if you should, dating as an introvert, queer in dating, and lots more. Get your copy at polyamorydatingguide.com. Hi, this is Jane Boone, the author of the novel Edge Play. It's a revenge fantasy where the big short meets 50 shades of gray. Only the women wield the whips and the billionaires submit. You can find it at Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle. And be sure to check out my episode with Tara Indiana right here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Thank you. Do you want to leave us a comment, thought, or have something to contribute to the show? You can now call or text us at the 3W hotline at 513-788-2527. That's 513-788-2527. Or drop us an email at john, J-O-N, at datingkinky.com. That's john, J-O-N, at datingkinky.com. We can't wait to hear from you. Shannon Seeley is a bodybuilder, a competitor, and also an influencer. Now that term can take a real beating in this day and age when it comes to social media, because people Mm -hmm. come across as influencers and you're like, why do I need to listen to you? You (laughs) have developed a not only a following, but you've been able to help people become their best selves. Mm-hmm. Tell me what your mission is when it comes to being an influencer. My main, main mission being an influencer is just trying to shy away from the stigma that females with muscles should not be accepted or we're just a grotesque little part of the community. I just, some women feel, feel, feel fulfilled when they build muscle for themselves. And I'll say this to everyone listening when they, you know, when you listen, when you see a woman with muscle, nine times out of 10, they are not doing it for you. They're not doing it for their friends or their family. They're doing it because it makes them feel good, regardless of what they're taking, how they're training, what they're doing. They're doing that because it makes them feel good. And I think that's what people need to understand. And being an influencer, I want people to understand like, hey, I'm a female I'm a female bodybuilder. I have muscle, but I'm also juggling, um, you know, my personal training career, running my own online business, taking care of my husband, who's a disabled vet, being a mom. I mean, we're trying to juggle all this stuff. And then on top of it, I'm just trying as an influencer showing, Hey, I'm a normal human. I'm a normal mom rocking my life. I have muscle. I'm maintaining it. And this is what I did to get the muscle. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm very open with how I got my muscle, what I take to get my muscle and how I train. There's no secret. I'm not trying to hide anything but I'm also not a disgusting person that's promoting drug help, you know, drug problems either. And that's one thing that I get a lot of hate mail is people like, you're just promoting drugs because you're so open with your, with your PED use. No, I'm not. I'm just trying to show people the safe way to use it. If you idolize my physique, this is what you have to do 
to get that way. And if not, hey, no problem. But I, I just as mentors, I just want to be real and raw. I'm letting you guys into the snippets of my life, my good and my bad days. And just letting you see, hey, this is, this is how I live my life. I'm just trying to be an open and honest as possible. And I think that authenticity really pays off because I'll post pictures of my worst days and I post pictures of my best days. I just, I don't want to sugarcoat it because I think being a little bit more raw and honest with the followers allows them to be like, hey, she's human too. She has shit days and she has good days. She's not, she's not showing this luxurious lifestyle she, she has. She's showing what's really happening in the world. What makes me so sad is that you've had to use the word stigma a number of times. Mm -hmm. And I think a woman with your body type is extremely beautiful and maybe I'm different or maybe I'm not different. The fact is you are doing it for you. And so many people will get this idea especially when they appear, and pardon me if I don't mean this to be disrespectful, but as people that can be objectified, people that can mm -hmm. be looked at. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, nine times out of 10, they don't care what you think. It's about what they think and what they need. And I'm so sad to hear that it, the word stigma does come up so much. What's it going to take for it to go away? You know, I, I really, John, I really wish I had an answer for you. It's, it's one of those things that I will say this, as much as the world has been in such chaos for the past year and a half, I will say that um, a lot more has come to be with the LGBTQ community, uh, the transgenders, everyone like that. And I'm really hoping that I still feel like even though I'm a female bodybuilder. We're still in that weird stigma too, where people need to accept us. And I'm hoping because everyone is starting to really transition into letting people be who they are. And I've seen a lot more positivity about people being open. Like, Hey, you want to identify someone else, you go for it. And that makes me so happy that so many people are being more accepting. And I'm really hoping that, that we can transition that not just because of how we feel about our gender, but also what we want to do as a hobby wise, that people are going to be more accepting of it. And, and I, you know, I'm very positive that in a couple of years, it's going to, you know, it's going to just start being a little bit more uh, accepting, but right now it's still, it's still a little bit rough. Um, but I do say that the world is heading in a bit more positive direction and the way things are going. So I'm just really hopeful that um, as time goes on, that people are just really going to just allow everyone to flourish with their own sense of identity and just allow us to pursue how we want to pursue our lives. I have a difficult question. Is the stigma more from men or from women? A little bit of both. I, I'll, I'll say it this way. I get men, the majority of men, I get it a lot from men, but I also get it a lot from older women. And older women, I can understand only because um, generations like my grandmother, people who are in their 50, uh, I would say 60s, 70s, 80s, most of those people, bodybuilding for females was not big at all. It was not a norm. It was not something that was, it was a masculine sport. And so when my, my grandma's very uh, against what I do, she hates mm -hmm. what I do. And it's just because that's not how they grew up in the generation. It was not known. And so I'm okay with that because I get it. The generations at that time were not accepting. Um, nowadays, even with the younger generation, I think a lot of men do it because they're one intimidated or they're, you know, men, men hit puberty later than women. So I get a lot of 18, 19 year olds tell me I look like a man, but they don't even freaking have their, their balls haven't even dropped yet. So it's just one of those <laughs> where it's just like, it's just like, are you jealous because I, I was able to put on muscle before you? Or are you jealous because 
you're still going through puberty. So, you know, I think people just take out the frustrations because they have something that they can't have. Like I have, you know, I have the muscle that guys can't have, or I'm getting the attention that females can't have. Who knows? At the end of the day, it's just one of those that I do get equal criticism a lot. However, I will say this, my audiences typically on all of my channels, the majority are men. Like on my Instagram platform, 90% of my followers are males. So I will say that as a positive knowing that 90% of my followers do appreciate the, the male audience that appreciate a female with muscle. So. You mentioned LGBTQ and acceptance and gender acceptance. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned earlier in uh, the podcast, the term body dysmorphia, which I've actually mm -hmm. spoken to a lot of my, my non-binary friends and uh, also people who are trans. Mm -hmm. What did body dysmorphia look like to you? For me, for body dysmorphia, um, so well, it started, my body dysmorphia started extremely when I had my bulimia because I was never happy being thin enough. Um, and now being a bodybuilder, what happens is you go in phases where you have a bulk season, um, where you're putting on weight and then you have a cut season where you're losing weight. And it's funny. I wouldn't say it's funny. It's, it's interesting to know when you're in your off season, you always feel like you're small. You want to be bigger. You want to put on muscle. So you're always criticizing because you're like, okay, I'm still small. I'm not putting in the adequate amount of muscle. So you're always, you're always criticizing yourself. You're always unhappy with how your body looks. Then you go into this phase where you're cutting. So you're losing all that, all that thickness that you put on for your off season, all that size you wanted. Well, then you're not lean enough. Then you're not shredded enough. Mm -hmm. Then you're not cut enough. So then you're criticizing your body because you're seeing, you're criticizing all the fat that you can still see. So it's this, it's this hectic cycle that I've always dealt with just for so long. And, you know, it's one of those things that mentally it's, I've learned to live with it and I've learned to accept that I'm never going to be hundred percent happy with it. Um, however, I will say as I age and as I, as I get older, uh, the body dysmorphia has definitely decreased and it starts decreasing over time. Cause you realize that you can't beat age and you're, you're just slowly going to age regardless. So it's one of those things that I think the older you get, the less you start to, to care. One of the things I admire about you is the fact that you were very open with your looks to the point where you started an OnlyFans. Mm -hmm. And you also realize that people have a joy of looking at muscular women. When did you become comfortable with being able to do that? So I was already in the bodybuilding industry for about five years um, before I was approached by, by a, uh, a female fetish muscle site who asked me to become a cam model. Um, at that time, I really didn't have a good set of income. So they told me, you know, I could just, uh, and I wasn't, I wasn't at the time familiar with camming at all. I didn't know what camming was. So they just told me, oh, you just have to talk on camera. Okay. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Fine. Started camming, um, realized that men really love the muscle. They love, they love the muscle. They love when I touched it. They love when I flexed it. Um, okay. I started making some decent money doing that. Okay. Realized that the more open I was and the more that I showed them what a female bodybuilder looked like and the less clothes that I wore, the more money I made. And I was hooked. I love the attention. I love the appreciation that I got for my muscles. And it really does. And, and, you know, it really makes you feel beautiful and awesome in what you're doing when you have all these amazing fans that are like, oh no, this is the look I want. This is exactly. And, and I was hooked. 
And after that, um, you know, uh, I've been a cam model now for, gosh, for five years now. Um, and then I just started the OnlyFans after just so that way I was able to not only have my clients that I could cam with, but also my clients that, you know, if they don't want to live cam, but they just want to access pictures of what I look like, mm-hmm. do it that way. So literally it's just kind of a feed off of my, of what I do for camming, but it's, it's a great way uh, to, you know, people have their favorite bodybuilder and I, I'm very open about it. It doesn't, doesn't bother me. My husband's super okay with it. So I'm good with it. If you were to have a favorite picture that was done of you, mm-hmm. which one would it be? A favorite picture. So there's two that come to my mind. All right. I have two very different pictures. And one is um, I am at the gym and I'm holding a 45 pound plate in front of me like this. And I love that picture because I'm not even super lean in that picture, but I just love what it brings because it shows my muscle. It shows how happy I am to have my muscle and it shows what I love to do. And I love that picture of me, but there's also a picture of me smoking a cigarette, leaning over a bed in lingerie on a black and white photo that my that I got professionally done a couple of years ago. And I, you can't even really tell that I must go in that picture, but what it does is it shows my badass side of the gym. And then you see this nice sexual sultry side of Shannon that not everyone gets to see. And that's what I love because there's so many different facets that, that I can play on and feel comfortable in. And, and that's why I had to give you two choices because there's just so many things that I'm comfortable with doing or comfortable of how I look that, um, it's, I, I just, I just love it. Where would the picture that was sent to Kuwait rank in there? Uh, none of them I sent to Kuwait were in there. I think when I sent him a picture to Kuwait, I think it was one of my first modeling pictures. Uh, and I was in this tight little black dress and it, it was just my first photo shoot I had ever done. So I was super, I, I felt super comfortable and super attractive. But at that time I was, I had not found myself a hundred percent yet. So I just thought that he just wanted to see like a super shredded model-esque picture. So I just sent him one of my, my modeling, my modeling pictures where I had my makeup done, my hair all done up and I just looked super shredded and cut. Um, so I, I would say that's not one of my favorite pictures, but, um, at that time I didn't know where I was going with this. So I usually will just send people like the extra pictures I have laying around. I just got prints of them and be like, all right, well, here's one for you. <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to this because he's going to be so disheartened. Don't listen. <laughs> I love the fact that in your bio, you talk about the fact that you and your husband and your daughter live in the middle of the woods and that you are a homebody, that you mm-hmm. love being at home. How do you put the competitive you and the homebody you in the same body? It's so funny because people ask that. So if, if you were to, to sit on my shoulder for a day-to-day life, my life is one cluster must of a day. It is, uh, I'm on the go from 6 a.m. in the morning till eight o'clock at night. Uh, I mean, six days a week I'm working. So it is, it is exhausting between online clients, training clients, running my business. And then on top of it, trying to run home for lunch break so I can meet with my daughter. And then on top of it, where we live, 
we don't have good internet service. So that's one reason I'm doing my Zoom, my Zoom call with you here is because if I was at home right now, we would not get any service. Um, and with social media and how many contracts I have with companies, I have to post every so often and I can't do that at home. So um, I'm just a giant high stress ball all day. And so when I get home, it's completely different to Shannon because my phone gets thrown out. I, I don't want to even look at it. I it's it's my phone is my lifeline, but it's also my stress line. And I have high anxiety and when my phone goes off. It's, it's a mess. So literally when I get home, my phone goes on a do not disturb mode. Nobody can call or contact me the next morning. My phone is the same thing until I get, um, I get up at 6am and then my phone, the minute my phone goes off, my phone starts ringing. And so I, I really have had to find that balance of just decompressing, being away from everyone and spending my time with my family and my daughter and my husband. Cause if I don't, and I, and I had internet service and I lived in, in a populated area, I would, I just feel like I would just miss out those opportunities of spending time with my, my husband and my daughter. Um, I, I will say it's, I'm hundred percent addicted to technology because it's, it's my lifeline and it's how I make my money. Um, and so I just had to force myself to get that balance. And um, at first, when my husband and I moved out to where we did, I was just so disheartened because I was like, how am I going to work? But it has been a blessing because now it allows me to force myself to take downtime, spend time with my daughter and my husband. And mind you, like I said, for my daughter's 22 months. So she's at a crucial age where she's doing a lot of firsts and I don't want to miss any of that stuff. And I'm just so much more appreciative to be able to do that because I, I don't have service there. And, and that's what I love. Gosh, I admire you for that. I really do, because I know how I'm constantly looking at my phone or my computer, mm -hmm. looking for those red dots. Did somebody, did somebody recognize something I did? Did somebody like a picture? Did somebody yep. like a picture of Shannon that I posted? <laughs> <laughs> so I want to finish with this. You love the word influencer and you use it well. Can you give me your favorite story when you made a difference in someone else's life because of the life that you live? Ooh, that's an interesting one. Um, I will say, I don't know if I can pinpoint an exact story because I do, I do get a lot of positive feedback and positive stories, but I will say the main the main message that I do get a, a lot from for females um, is there, there have been a couple of females that have reached out to me. Um, and I, I will say this, I do remember this one where this female was dating this gentleman who was not, she wanted to become a bodybuilder and he was not being very supportive of it. He, he could, you know, he was totally against it. And she kind of asked for my advice about it. And, you know, my advice is for anybody is if you're super passionate or you're, you really want to pursue uh, a dream that maybe not, not everyone's going to be accepting of you do you and people that are going to support you are going to stay in your corner. And the people that are not meant to uh, be in your corner are going to leave. And that's, that's the way you have to do it. You have to, um, you really have to be selfish when you're trying to achieve your dreams. Cause if you don't, you are always going to live with that. What if regret. Um, and that's just a huge huge thing um, that I always have been super open about. And I was even open about this with my husband is I, as much, I was already body only when I met my husband. And when he decided to make a commitment and he wanted to marry me, one of my main things is I told him, I was like, I love you. But I was like, I love bodybuilding. And that is going to be my number one love. I was like, so if you can support that and allow me to pursue my dreams and understand the sacrifices and the isolation that I'm going to have to take for these preps, 
I'm 100% for it. But if you can't deal with that, then I cannot marry you. And he's 100% understands that. And it, it is hard as a parent because when you're a bodybuilder and you're dieting for so long and you're at the gym for so long working on yourself, he's pretty much a single parent at certain times taking care of my daughter because he's, he's so supportive of my goals. And that's, that's one thing I always tell people. I'm like, if someone is, is trying to shot or steer you away from the goals that you really are adamant about, then, then you need to find somebody else to be supportive of. It's, it's one of those things where your inner circle should be there to support you and, and help you through. And if not, you cut them out. It is, it is okay to hurt people's feelings and cut them out of your lives. If they are not going to be on your, on your sideline cheering for you or supporting you. If they're, if they're one of those people that are going to fake support you and talk shit about you behind your back, just say bye. You don't need that stress. You want every person in your life to help be supportive or just stay by your side and just help you achieve your dream. And that's, that's the number one thing. We just, we just have so much negativity in this life right now. You just want to surround yourself with as many positive people as you can. Shannon, you're so inspiring. Uh, please give us the opportunity to know where we can follow you. And if there's anything that is coming up in the summer months that we want to be keeping an eye out for, please feel free to promote that. Oh, absolutely. So my main staple for my fitness page is Instagram. Um, it is at Shan is fierce, S-H-A-N-I-S, the word fierce. Um, and that is my main Instagram page. There's actually two of them. One is my backup page. Click on either of them and you'll find the links for there. On my Instagram page, you will also find a link for Transcend HRT. That is where I get all of my PEDs from. All of my followers there get $20 off their first order. Links are in the bio, as well as that special only fans page that is on my bio. So I know some of you guys are curious about that. Always have sales going on for that. Um, and, you know, uh, my Twitter too, that is at Shannon Seely 13. My Twitter kind of gives you a little taste of my only fans there. That's very, uh, that's very adult like there. So if you want to take a peek at me there, go on ahead. Um, May 2021, I will be launching my website, shannonseely.com. That is going to have all my custom nutrition and workout programs available for purchase. And you will find me on stage for my next bodybuilding show at the end of September of this year. So if you follow me on Instagram, you will be able to see how my body changes all throughout the entire month. And I'm so excited to share that progress with you. And we're looking forward to being in your corner and cheering you big time when it comes to everything that you do. Shannon, this has been an absolute joy and honor, and I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. What an amazing story from Shannon. I love the courage and dedication she has in everything she does. She is someone I will definitely follow, and I wish her nothing but the greatest success. Next week on the show, it's simply the most powerful episode we've ever done. She's appeared on BuzzFeed in a video seen by 10 million people. She was the subject of the e-documentary, The Real 50 Shades. The wonderful Hutsey Brook and her amazing story told exclusively to us next week on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time and I thank you for being with us on this edition and remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. 
leave us a message at 513-788-2527. And we invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. We're kinky done differently.